been uh, talking kind of about vision, um, about the church, about church on the hill, and how you're not here by mistake today. You're not here by coincidence. Even though you may have just driven up here randomly and just showed up here, God knew you were going to be here. And you may say, Pastor, I don't know that God. Well, great, great. Church on the hill is a place where we desire for you to connect with God to be able to learn who he is, to find out how he works and is this thing for real, to learn how to walk with Christ and how to, how to really walk in the church. But as you're here today, and maybe you've been coming for the last few weeks, I've asked you this each week, what's my next move? Where do I go from here? But I want you to know that Isaiah chapter 43 says, and he says this to you, I'm about to do something new. God is wanting to do something new in you today. And this message today, I believe, speaks directly to that. He says, I've already begun. Do you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wasteland. And I don't know if it's because I've spoke on this same scripture two or three times over the last few weeks that this scripture has come up in conversation, but I run into people Almost every day, including myself, I find myself sometimes in the wilderness, sometimes in the dry wasteland. And God wants to provide for you right where you are. Right where you are. You may be in the midst of some of the biggest challenges of your life. God says, I've got you covered. Will you just seek me right here? I can help you right where you are. You don't have to be in a good place for me to reach you. I can reach you right where you are, in the wilderness, in the dry wasteland. I can provide rivers for you in the dry wasteland. Amen? God has something new for you. You are here for a reason, with a purpose. God has a purpose for you. We've looked at this word acclimate, which basically just means to become accustomed to a new environment, to new conditions. And you know, life is like that. Everywhere we step, it seems like sometimes we're stepping into something new. But starting to walk according to the word, starting to walk with Christ is so much different than walking with the world. And it's learning to, be, to become acclimated or how to walk with Christ. Again, as I said, it is the vision, it is my vision and the vision of this church that this be a place where you can really connect to Jesus. A place of acceptance for the hurting. This is not to be a judgmental place. We church body are not to be judgmental. Christ is the righteous judge, not us. We're supposed to love, we're supposed to connect, we're supposed to help the hurting not judge the hurting. Amen? Listen to me, church. This is to be a no, I don't know if y'all go to Planet Fitness, but it says no judgment zone when you're in there. They're not judging each other on how little they're, they're lifting their weights, and that's me. I've, had, I've started lifting a little bit of weights, and I'm telling you, it's embarrassing where you have to start. You know, you're wondering who's watching. And you know what? If I, if I let my life be based on who's watching, I won't do anything. Who cares who's watching? I don't care who's watching. But that this would be a place that the, that the sinner could feel safe. That the broken could find hope. That, but, that once you have began to find that hope, that you start to find your purpose. And I want you to know, once you begin to find your purpose, you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a reason to get out of bed. You're going to have a reason to come to church 
You're going to start operating at a, at a level that you have never operated at. And really, that's what we're after here at Church on the Hill. Last week, as we've been looking at this hope and purpose, I gave you an acronym. It was significant. I don't know if you remember this word from last week, significant. Using the first three letter, letters of significant, S-I-G. Because I believe that we're going to fulfill this vision of hope and purpose by being significant, by significantly impacting other people, by loving the hurting, by helping young married couples learn how to have a successful marriage, how to raise children in a godly way, how to break the power of sin, how to break the power of addiction. You know, all that sits here in the church. How to have financial breakthrough. How to come out of depression. Do you realize what a powerhouse the house of God holds? Amen. Are you here? That's what sits here. We sang a song this morning that said, my hope is here. And it's like the Lord just showed me. I was saved at five, but I believe that the Lord really provided me hope here at this church. I was not hired to be the pastor and then I came to this church. God called me to this church as a member just like you. And he rescued me from a life away from him. That's what's here. Not that our church is any more special than another church. But the thing special about this church is God's here. And hope is here. The first part of SIG that we looked at last week is serving. And in Galatians 5.13 it says, but through love serve one another. What I want you to know is as a following, uh, a Christian, someone that's following Christ, part of your calling is to serve the body. It's to serve the Lord. It's to serve each other. Amen? That's our call. I'm going to skip I and we're going to jump to G. And today is giving. Now don't check out on me. This is going to be good. God is wanting to bless you today. The second part of significant is G, giving. If you will, get your Bibles out and turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Many of you know the scripture, but we're going to dive into it just for a moment. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. And let's read together. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, here's this if then, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Verse 11, your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall off the vine before they arrive, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 12, then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, it doesn't just command us to tithe. It doesn't just command us to give. And it's not just right to give. It's wrong not to. It's not just the right thing to do it. It's the wrong thing not to do it. What does it say? 
It says you're cheating when you don't. More so than that, you're cheating God. This is not the pastor trying to pull at your wallet at all. This is God trying to bless you. Trying to wake you up to something amazing. And if you'll hang in there with me, it's going to be good. Because I, want to, I just want to tell you, if you're really struggling with tithing, if you've been coming to church or maybe it's new to you or you, you just show up today for the first time, you don't know God at all, but all of a sudden, I've just been the stereotype of what you expected. We're after your money. Okay, good. I get it. Maybe you're struggling with giving. You've been coming, you've been, you've been trying to walk with God, but you've really had a hard time with giving. That's okay. Let me tell you, that's normal. It happens. What I want to encourage you to do is go back to the yes and start serving. Do that part. Start serving. Go back to one of my previous sermons that talked about abiding in Christ, about learning who he is, getting in his word and starting to really grasp who he is and follow him. Do you know what will happen? Giving will follow. Giving will follow. It's God's desire that you give, but the problem is you're trying to give on your own power, and you can't. You'll get bitter, you'll get mad, you'll have too much month at the end of the money. How many, how many deals with that? Did y'all even catch that? That's a Dave Ramsey expression. Too much month at the end of the money. We want to have too much money at the end of the month right? But you're trying to give on your own power. If you try to love on your own power, it will eventually run out. That's why we need Christ. The problem is you put the cart before the horse. That's okay. If you're, if you're struggling with giving, then there is some hang up between you and God. So let's go back and let's go back to serving. But if you will give I want you to watch what happens. Watch what happens to those that give. God wants to bless you beyond your ability to contain it. God wants to bless you beyond your ability to contain it. But like a good parent, he won't bless you beyond your ability to steward it. If you don't have the maturity to be a wise steward of the blessing, the blessing can actually turn into a curse. Our ability to be blessed is usually less than God's ability to bless us. Did you hear that? I'm kind of giving you some big statements today. Our ability to be blessed is usually smaller than God's ability to bless us. God's always trying to lead us into greater blessing. He wants to give us what we don't deserve. He wants to bless us beyond our ability to contain it. But unfortunately, most of us can't envision that size blessing. We only can envision a nominal blessing. God says he will pour out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. Test him. Try him. See that he won't do it. See that he won't do it for you. I uh, used to, we, we take our kids to Disney every now and then. And um, when they were really young, Disney resorts have these, um, have these slides. And they're pretty intense. They're pretty big and lots of water down at the bottom. 
And Rita Marie was here this morning, and I was talking about her, and she really got the double portion blessing because she was the oldest, and I didn't know what the rules were, so I just took her down it with me. And she was great. Then she was ready to do it all by herself. But as soon as I got to the bottom of the slide, you can't do that. They have to go by themselves. I'm like, why? Why can't I take my child down and help them get over this? So here comes Pete. The next year, he was a ba- they were babies before. So the next year, here comes Pete. And, and he's seeing the slide. And he's kind of wanting to do it. And then we get to the top and he's like, I don't want to do it. It's intense. It's big. It's a, it's a big boy slide. And I'm like, Pete, you're going to love it. Just do it. No, I don't want to do it. Dad, don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. And all of a sudden, tears are coming and screaming's coming. And you know what I do? <laughs> and he's, wow. And I'm like, oh, dear God, let him not remember this day. And sure enough, I did it to Ruth Ann. And I'm like, Ruth Ann, I'm sorry, but I did this to Pete. You did what? <laughs> and then Sarah Bet. Sarah Bet was one of my hardest ones. I'm not doing that. Yes, you are. I paid for us to come down here. You're going down that slide. You will go down this slide. No, I won't. Yes, you will. Watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Then, once their drama and psychology and their separation anxiety and thinking for a moment, I hate my dad, (laughs) it's overcome by, that was awesome, (laughs) but I'm not going to tell dad. (laughs) But that was awesome, and I think I want to try it again, but I'm not sure. One thing God will not do is push you down that slide. It says, won't a bad dad that knows how to bless his kids, won't God even bless you? I'm that bad dad. Really, I'm not. They wouldn't have done it on their own. They needed just a little little help. They did. They needed it. But God won't push us. But God says, just try it. Just go down that slide one time. I will prove to be faithful to you. God says, I will prove myself to you. And this is one area that scripture tells us we can test him. But you gotta jump off that cliff. Just try me in this and see what I will do. Do you know what he says he'll do? He says he'll protect your crops. Not only will he bless your crops, but he'll protect them. He'll make sure that you produce and that they won't fall off the vine too soon. But look what he says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. It says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his glory and riches. God says, when you've got me on the hook as provider, I'll provide every one of your needs. Every one of your needs. The Amplified says it this way. 
My God will liberally supply, fill to the full, cram, furnish, satisfy, finish, and complete all of your needs, employment, requirements, lack, and business according to his riches, his wealth, his money, and his positions in glory by Christ Jesus. What's that saying? That's saying that no matter your circumstance, that's saying that even if your employer just says, hey, we're going belly up next week, sorry, that did not affect God's ability to be able to bless you. The thing that it's affected is you. If it's affected you so much that you break down that ability for God to bless you, now we've got a problem. But it's not affected God from blessing you. It's just scared us half to death. And we want to withhold. We want to say, no, God, I'm not going down that slide. But God said, it's so good. Why wouldn't you go down the slide? It's awesome. You're going to love it. But, but God, my job. But God says, I can reach you. I've got you. Trust me. Trust me. This is supernatural blessing. More blessing that could ever be achieved in the natural. Supernatural, supernatural provision supersedes the impossible. Supernatural takes us past the impossible, through the unbelievable, into the ridiculous. As God brings you into the supernatural... He's going to bring you into a new place. This new beginning is you stepping out of your realm into the supernatural realm. God has so much for you right here. But the supernatural realm is going to be a requirement because you cannot receive the supernatural in the natural. You've got to step into the supernatural. For you to get what God has for you, it requires the supernatural. Genesis chapter 22. We see Abraham and God has now called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now if you don't know the story about this, Abraham was promised a son. Abraham got in there and kind of messed it up, tried to do it on his own. God says, nope, that's not what I'm talking about. I've got this blessing for you. His name's, his name's Isaac. You're going to have this child. It's going to be a miracle. You having this child is going to be a miracle. And he's going, to be, he's going to be the father. You're going to be the father of many nations through this person, this man, Isaac. The miracle child. But then God says, oh, by the way, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice him. Sacrifice him to me. What did Abraham do? He packed up his stuff and hauled up the mountain. Didn't question. He obeyed. And he started gathering his sticks and everything that was needed for the sacrifice. And even Isaac said... Hey, Dad, I see we're going, on a sac going to sacrifice something. Yep, son, we are. Awesome. Let's go. Oh, but wait a minute. Where is the sacrifice? Isaac could put two and two together. We don't, have a, we don't have a lamb. Where is it? And Abraham says, I want you to see what it says here. Verse 7, 22 verse 7. Isaac says, where's the, burnt, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Now, Abraham already knows what he's being called to do. But he's telling his son Isaac, God has a plan. And we, we had read earlier that even Abraham had even said, even if, even if he were to die, God could raise him from the dead. 
Abraham knew God and trusted God. It tells us that Abraham got him tied up on the offering, was ready to sacrifice his son, lifted his hand with the knife, and the angel of God came and stopped his hand. The angel of God, God saw total obedience, and at that moment, he held his hand, stopped his hand. In a time of total belief and trust in God. And it says in verse 13, that Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up as a burnt offering in the stead of his son. This first statement, he lifted up his eyes. I believe is symbolic of looking at God, at moving in faith. In the midst of the, him stopping his arm, in the midst of God moving, Abraham looked to the Lord and what did he see? He saw provision. When we lift our eyes, we are looking to our provider in faith, to God, to heaven, to the world, to the word, to the supernatural, from the impossible to the possible. Now, I want to encourage you. You may be here today facing complete, total financial disaster. My first step to you would be to look up. Look up. Get your eye off of that disaster and get your eye back on God. Get your eyes off of that disaster and get your eyes back on God. Lift up your eyes. Maybe that's all you need is to look up. And look what Abraham said in verse 14. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, the mountain of the Lord, it shall be seen. In another translation, it says, Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. And even now, people say, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The message says, Abraham named that place, God Yahweh. God sees to it. That's where we get the saying, on the mountain of God, he sees to it. I love that expression in that when we put God on the hook as provider, he sees to it that you're provided for. He sees to it. God is our provider. But for him to have provided for Abraham, Abraham had to go up the mountain. The provision did not take place down on the ground, down on the bottom. It took place up on the mountain. Abraham had to obey and go to the mountain where he provides. Church, God moves by faith. We must move. So how do we move? We move by giving. When we give, when we move in faith, God moves. Our giving, listen to me, our giving is supernatural. It's not natural. Our giving is supernatural. It is a supernatural act. I believe that the ram, the moment Abraham started hiking up the, mo the mountain with Isaac, I believe that God sent the ram up the other side of the mountain. I don't believe it was one of those, Abraham really does obey, there's a lamb. I don't believe God moves like that. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew that, he probably knew that lamb when it was born. Lamb, I got a plan for you. It's a good plan. May not look good to you, but it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. And about this time of this day of this year, I want you to start hiking up the mountain. What's up there for me? Don't worry about it. I got you. 
You are my provision for him. This is going to change the world. I believe that as you start to move, you may not see that ram coming up the other side. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. You just have to trust God. You just have to trust God. Your provision has been made. Church, Jesus paid the price for you at the cross. Your provision has been made. You've just got to get hiking. You got to get going up the mountain and obey. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 6. For whatever a man sows, that and that only will he reap. For he who sows his own flesh, lower nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Tithing and offerings are supernatural acts. They're not natural. They are, listen, they are ordained by God. The supernatural act of, of giving and tithing will result in a supernatural harvest of supernatural provision in spite of economic conditions. Because gas prices go up, it doesn't affect God's kingdom and able to bless you. Praise God, gas has been lower. Looks like it's starting to come up again. And it's like, oh no. God says, oh no, what? What do you mean, oh no? All this stuff's going on with finances and that sort of thing. Is there about to be a crash? God says, uh, church, my kingdom's not about to crash. My ability to bless you is not going to change based on what the American or the uh, foreign economy does. It's not going to change based on who gets elected president. My ability to bless you doesn't change. He says, I never change. The problem is, you change. The problem is, we sway. We get pushed by this storm and by that storm. And God's like, um, I'm not moving. I'm not being swayed at all. I'm not being swayed at all. Any of y'all watched that video with Justin? I kind of got a little car sick for a minute. I'm like, what? what are you doing? And God says, uh, my kingdom's not moving. My kingdom doesn't move. You don't get one of those, like on the Hillham dips. Ooh, man, there went my belly. That doesn't happen in the kingdom. There, there's, no, there's no bumps. It's solid. The problem is you're standing on shaky ground. Holding on to your finances with everything you got. Holding on to your heart, not opening up to each other. Holding in on your relationships. And God says, if you'll give, I'll give to you. Been there, done that. Um, okay, so as I wrap this up today, I want to I want to kind of pull this all together with a with a story about a woman who lost everything. 
Because maybe you're sitting here and say, Pastor, you know, I, I believe God wants to bless me, but I just can't give. You just don't know what I'm going through. You just don't know where I am. And I'm sorry. Um, you know, we're all facing, we're all facing, it seems like we're all facing disaster. But if that's you and you just say, look, I've got nothing, I've got nothing to give. I want to, give, I want to show you a story from 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is, a, this, is a, um, this is a passage that talks about a woman that lost her husband. She's lost her husband and he was the breadwinner. He was the provider for their family. And now after time, creditors are showing up saying, you owe this money and she can't pay. Go back and read it, 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's gotten so bad that the creditors are saying, sell me your sons into slavery to pay for your debt. And this woman, in facing financial disaster, goes and finds Elisha. And Elisha's the prophet of that time. And in that time, that is how we, that's how people would seek God, is through the prophets. If you remember Jehoshaphat, he was wanting to fight, he was being asked his kingdom, King Jehoshaphat, to fight with another king. And Jeho Jehoshaphat said, okay, I'll fight with you. I'll go to fight with you. But has anybody talked to a prophet? Anybody sought God about this? And the king said, yeah, well, I've got my own prophets that tell me what I like to hear, but there's this one guy who I hate who never says the right thing to me. Jehoshaphat's like, I want to talk to that guy. What does he say? Well, he is a man of God. And you're not going to like what he has to say. Well, I want to hear what he has to say. Well, here this woman has come to Elisha, and that is her way of saying, God, I need your help. So look at what it says in verse 2, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2. She tells him his story, her story, and Elisha says, what do you have? What do you have? He's saying, I need your seed. What do you have as a seed for me to use? And you know what she says? I got a little jar of oil. That's all I've got. I got this little jar of oil. And Elisha said, that's all I need. God would say, that's all I need. Do you know that when, when, when uh, Jesus went to feed the 5,000, he didn't poof and Happy Meals show up everywhere? He said, what have you got? Well, I've got a couple fish and got a few fish and I've got some bread. Good. Bring that to me. Jesus, what are you going to do with that? What do you care? Don't worry about it. Watch what I can do with what you've got. Watch what I can do. Not only am I going to feed everybody, but there's going to be leftovers. We're going to be able to send some doggy bags home or send them to the rest, uh, rescue mission. Rescue mission need it? What's the rescue mission? I don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. But that food's extra. Send it home with some people. The woman says, all I've got is a little jar of oil. So the next verse, Elisha says, okay. Here's what we're going to do. Go borrow pots. Borrow pots? Yeah, go borrow pots. Get as many as you can. Go get some pots. So now this woman has a, has a, has a, has a decision to make. Elisha has lost it. I've heard he's pretty strange anyway, but he's really lost it now. Go borrow pots? Yeah, go borrow pots. She could have just gotten one or two pots. But he said, go get as many as you can. Now, what I want you to catch here is God is about to bless this woman 
by using the people. Now, one thing that Elisha did not do is give her a handout. Here's 50 bucks. Go pay your utility bill. Because that wouldn't have saved her. God is not a handout God. God is a restorer. God is a deliverer. God is a provider. I don't want a handout. I want your full provision. I want to win. I don't want to squeak by. And Elisha's like, okay, here's the plan. Go get pots. She goes and collects all the pots that she can find. And you know what happens? They take that little jar of oil. And I want to say, I would want to guess, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I want to guess one of those little cheap chipped beef cups. Have you ever seen those little cups of chipped beef? We use them for orange juice and whatever now. But I can imagine about that much oil. And we've got these pots lined up. And we start pouring. And this pot fills up and Elisha's like, oh, it's about full switch. Got our two sons involved. Hey, keep bringing them, keep bringing them. And it just keeps pouring out. Filling up and filling up and filling up. And it didn't stop until she ran out of pots. It didn't stop. This woman is about to lose everything. Her home, her family, everything. And here they are pouring oil into pots. But look what happens. Verse 7. Elisha says, go, sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. She made enough money from that oil that she paid the creditor. She saved her children. They weren't sold into slavery. And there was enough provision for not only her to live on the rest of their life, but her family. She came from disaster to completely provided for for the rest of her life. Because of what she had and her willingness and faith to do what the man of God said to do. Now I want you to know, God can reach you with what you have. But you've got to make a move. You can't stay put. You can't stay there. You've got to get up to that slide and say, God, I'm scared to death. I don't know how I'm going to make it to the next month. You, God, I mean, we even want to say, God, you don't know what I'm going through. And God's like, huh? Yeah, I do. I do. I know exactly. And I've got you. Just let go. Let go. I've got you. But you've got to give. Give. And it will be given to you. Out of her sowing and believing in faith, God saved her family, saved her home. Crisis diverted and provision for the rest of her life. I want you to know that this is my testimony that as Elizabeth and I give, man, we've had challenges. We've had challenges this year. But never has he abandoned us. Ever. Never. Never. He won't. He won't. Now, you guys stand up with me and as we close, I, I want to I make one last point with you. God will never put pressure on you to give. Never. It's his command. Either we serve him or we don't. But what I want you to know is, is that faith 
Listen to me. Faith puts pressure on his word. Faith puts pressure on God. Not, a, not one of these things where, oh, I didn't really want to bless him, but since he did that. No, he is looking over, he is watching over his word, waiting to perform it. When you move in faith, you engage heaven and heaven. You know what it said about tithing in Malachi chapter 3? That when we tithe, heavens are opened to you. When we tithe, it said, I will open heaven up and pour out such a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive it. When you move in your giving, heaven will open up and you don't have to go looking for the blessing. The blessing will come find you and overtake you. But you have to give. You got to go down that slide. And the Lord's saying, I'm not going to push you. I love you. I'm not going to push you. Even though a push would help, I'm not going to push you. You get to choose. But God gets to bless. God gets to bless. What are you hanging on to? Luke 6.38 says, give and it'll be given to you. Faith says, God is my source. You know, we haven't even taken up the offering yet. We've done that on purpose to be able to give you an opportunity now to give. If you've got your offering, I want you to take it out and just hold it in your hand for just a moment. Because I want you to know that God would say, watch what I can do with what's in your hand. That woman that had the oil, she placed that in her hand and gave it to me. Those, those fish and bread was given to Jesus and was broken and provided for thousands. Watch what I can do. But do you believe me? God would say, do you really believe me? Church, I want to encourage you. Try God in this. Try him. He will prove himself faithful. Let me pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, as we are going to be obedient to your...